Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's Easter sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled, Celebrate God's Victory, and tells us of the importance of celebrating Christ's resurrection. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stones had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. We celebrate on this day in particular, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't change the fact that we live in a fallen and broken world as evidenced by the pollen that we have to deal with from time to time, and you'll forgive my voice today from such. It's good news that we celebrate today. It's hallelujah, the word that we raise. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. It's been at the center of the Christian faith ever since the beginning. Ever since Jesus himself was here, his resurrection was the proclamation of the disciples as they went forth from him. 
the bodily historical resurrection of Jesus Christ is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. As C.S. Lewis said, it is myth become history. It's not just a fairy tale or an encouraging word or chicken soup for our souls. It is the truth in every sense of the word that we can stand on and that secures our salvation. John Calvin wrote that the resurrection of Christ is the most important article of our Christian faith, and without it, hope of eternal life is extinguished entirely. He was standing on the shoulders of Paul, and Paul is the one who wrote in 2 Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. The resurrection of Christ means everything, the physical, historical, actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even as we walked with Jesus through this Holy Week, and I hope that, that you were able to do that, that you took the opportunity to embrace the journey of Jesus along the road of suffering and pain and betrayal. We met here on Thursday night for the Maundy Thursday service and remembered His new commandment and His suffering on that night. We met here on Good Friday at noon and remembered His words from the cross. I hope you were able to walk with him. Yesterday, Saturday, silent Saturday, we waited in anticipation for the dawn of this day, for the dawn of Easter, for we already know how the story goes. Imagine those who lived with Jesus who did not. There is a, this is a morning when the joy is more poignant and true than it is on other days. And from the earliest days of the church, this has been a foundational cornerstone. Joy has been a cornerstone of the Christian faith. And the Greek Orthodox theologian Alexander Shememon says, from its very beginning, Christianity has been the proclamation of joy. And without the proclamation of this joy, Christianity is incomprehensible. Conversations about the church can be useful and meaningful only within the context of the great joy from which everything else flows. The church captured the celebration of that joy in the rhythm of our year, the calendar that we have, right? So we just finished the period of Lent, which is a period of penitence and, and confession and, and, and withholding things from ourselves. How long is the period of Lent? Forty days, right. That's good. We're getting somewhere. Um, we now enter into the feast beginning today, the feast of Easter, which is 50 days. So we see how it's built into the calendar that there is mourning, that there is trouble. There are hard times, but they are not as long as the blessing. They are not as long as the feast. And when we celebrate the feast of Easter beginning today, we remember the one who has loved us, and the one who paid the price for us, the one who was raised on this day. Have you ever thought of celebration as a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice in some way? Richard Foster wrote a whole book called Celebration of Disciplines on the major um, Christian spiritual disciplines. Each one had a chapter, and the final one that he wrote was on celebration. I thought that was interesting. He writes this, celebration is central to all the spiritual disciplines. Without a joyful sense of festivity, the disciplines become dull, death-breathing tools in the hands of modern Pharisees. 
it's an occupational hazard of devout folk to become stuffy bores. I'm looking at you, Presbyterians. <laughs> it's an occupational hazard to become stuffy bores. Now, by temperament, myself, as well as Presbyterian upbringing, this is a personal temptation of mine. I'm kind of a spiritual grinder. When something good happens, get to working on the next thing, and then get to working on the next thing without taking a moment to breathe and to give thanks to God for what God has done in that moment. We get so busy doing things for God that we never pause and say, thank you, Lord, and receive the blessing of celebration, of joy in our lives, of remembering what God has done in the past, what God is doing right now, what God will do in the future. The type of person who is tempted to rarely celebrate anything because there is always the next task to go on to, I think we get this from our Presbyterian forebears, you know, because Presbyterianism came from Scotland, essentially, right? And they have a reputation for being rather miserable, <laughs> right? If you go to the old churches there, there are no pads on the pews. There's nothing up front that makes you go, that's beautiful. It's the kind of place that could give us great misery like the game of golf. So we're kind of suspicious sometimes even of things that make us happy, that bring us joy. But if the whole of the gospel that God gives us belongs to joy, if joy is at the heart of it, then we must take a moment and take a breath and rejoice in what He has given us. It's not the sense of gospel of Jesus that we are to choke out the fruit of the spirit of joy in our lives. In fact, look at the readings from this morning, the first witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. When you look at Mary Magdalene's life, do you know how she became a follower of Jesus? We look back in Luke chapter 8, Mary Magdalene is in a list of women who were with Jesus, and she is singled out as one from whom seven demons were cast out. Can you imagine the gratitude and joy in her heart by being healed by Jesus, by casting out the demons that tortured her? It meant so much to her that she is the one who is named as standing next to Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the foot of Jesus' cross as he lay dying. When all the disciples had run away, here was this woman who had been healed of seven demons by Jesus. What horror that must have been for her, that the one who had healed her was being killed. And yet, She's the one, as broken as she may have felt, she's the one who was going to the tomb the next morning to make sure everything was done right for Jesus. This woman, Mary Magdalene, when she was at the tomb, realized at some point that it was Jesus talking to her because he said her name and she recognized his voice.
and she erupted in joy. She went and ran to the disciples who were hiding in a room somewhere, said, I have seen the Lord. It's a proclamation of joy that we receive. I've seen the Lord. She was transformed by the power and the joy of the joy in Jesus' presence. And don't miss the fact that she was the first missionary witness of Christ's resurrection. She saw it before the disciples did. A woman who had been demon-possessed. Not exactly the one out of central casting. But God works by surprise sometimes. And as she shared the good news, the next couple of verses in John 20 with the disciples, they went to the place that she had told them to go, and there was Jesus. We read in verse 20. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Their weeping had endured for three days, right? We remember that scripture, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Their weeping had endured for three nights. But that Sunday morning there was joy because they too had seen the Lord. The change in these disciples is profound, and we should take note of it. From that day forward, they went from the huddling few in a room upstairs to be the ones who turned the world upside down, who took the gospel to the corners of the earth. Each of them taking it and proclaiming it for decades until their own deaths, and only one did not die a martyr's death for proclaiming the faith. I like the way Chuck Colson puts it. Some of you might be familiar with Chuck Colson. He was a figure in the Richard Nixon's White House who was caught in Watergate scandal and sent to prison. It was there that God found him and turned his life around, and he came out and ran a, a beautiful prison ministry for decades thereafter. But Chuck Colson said that going to jail for Watergate became, became the tool by which God changed his life. He also said this about the resurrection. I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that even if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks even. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Why were the disciples able to endure the persecution of those years and endure on the path of sharing the good news of Jesus' resurrection? One, because I think they knew it was true. It's really hard to go back on something that you know is foundationally true and changes the cosmos in which we live. But the second is, I believe, that they saw the joy set before them by God in Christ, and that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared to what God has prepared and planned for those who love Him. 
They received that ministry of Jesus that we read about in Hebrews. Hebrews talks about Jesus being the one who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And I would say that's exactly what the disciples did too. They endured their cross, scorning its shame, that the children of God may be reconciled to their Father in heaven. The cross that Jesus bore was heavy and rough, but he considered it nothing compared to the joy of the Father's heart at bringing his children home. Joy is the heart and the engine of the gospel. Celebration is the tool by which we tap into it. And we must engage the spiritual practice of celebration to take for a moment, not just blithely, but to give thanks to God, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. God's people have always done this. If you look at the festivals of the Old Testament, many of them were called together annually to give thanks to God as celebrations of what God has done, what God was doing, what God was going to do. It's a foundational aspect of being a part of the people of God to celebrate things, not just to joylessly trog through this life. For mark the truth, too, that the children of Israel knew hard times. They knew what it meant to be slaves in the land of Egypt. They knew what it meant to be hungry and thirsty in the middle of a desert. They knew what it was to be fearful and defeated by other people. They knew what it was to live without homes. But they also knew the God who had promised them that they were his people. They also knew the God who had promised to give them a land of their own. That is why they gathered for the celebration feasts. In the fat times and the lean times. In the good times and the rough times as well. The, the people of Israel gathered to celebrate as an act of faith in God, the God who had loved them and called them. Note, too, about this celebration. It is a corporate discipline. It is not a solitary act that we perform on our own. It's like, I think it's like the 11th commandment, thou shalt not celebrate alone. Is it not one of the profound lessons of this past year and the season in which we stand that we are created by God for community? We're created to have our lives intertwined with other human beings in good times and bad as well. And for much of the past year, that's been postponed or removed from our lives. I want to invite you here in the sanctuary down in Beard Hall, if you're at home today, how many of us have missed a celebration with loved ones during the past year? All of you have, because every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection at church. All of us. It proves something. The grief that we have suffered over the course of those days in the light of this resurrection day 
calls us to a new way of life, I believe. For in our, our society that praises the individual, that values the individual far above anything else, I'm telling you the individual is part of a community. In the Christian sense, we are part of the family of God, and each of us has things to contribute and to receive from being part of that resurrection family. So may we covenant today to share together and celebrate this good news of Jesus Christ, of His resurrection. May we covenant today to tell of what Jesus has done in our lives so that others might be encouraged and still others might be pointed toward Him. May we covenant to live together like joy is the hallmark of what we do as disciples of Jesus, to worship the Savior who overcame death and the grave and has promised to give us life and light and freedom. Celebrating with joy changes us. Knowing the resurrection changes us. And I'll close just by sharing with you one of my favorite moments of pastoral ministry. It occurred in the ICU of Erlanger Hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was a pastor at Signal Mountain there, and one of my favorite retired couples were Ray and Denny Taylor. And they were just lovely folks. And everyone, this is back when I was single, so I had Saturday nights free. Um, but Ray and Denny would call me every once in a while, and they would say, hey, let's get dinner and go to the Mountain Opry. The Mountain Opry was a dilapidated old building on the back of Signal Mountain where people from the valley and the mountain and all over would come and play bluegrass music uh, for the crowd that assembled every Saturday night. And we would go every once in a while, and Ray, at the end of the night, when they always asked, does anybody have any requests, he said, when the roll is called up yonder, do you know when the roll is called up yonder? It's an old southern gospel song about heaven. Every once in a while, he would go up there and sing it with them at the Mountain Opry. Ray was in that ICU when I arrived, and Denny was by his side. And there wasn't much conversation. He didn't have a great prognosis coming his way. But as I started to pray, he grabbed my hand. And I opened my eyes, and he gave me his characteristic smile, and he started to sing. When the road is called up yonder, I kind of sheepishly joined in. When the road is called up yonder, when the road is called up yonder, when the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. You know those nurses looked at us like that nobody had ever done that before? We are the people who sing of heaven in the face of death. We are the people so confident in the resurrection of our Lord and our resurrection because of that, that we need not fear. As the Scriptures ask the question, where, O grave, is your victory? Where, O death, is now your sting? We sing of a place that Jesus has prepared for us and to which he will receive us on that great and glorious day because of his resurrection, so we too shall be raised. Amen. Let us pray.
All praise and thanks, honor and glory be unto you, our Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power of the Holy Spirit was raised from the dead at the word of the Father. We pray today, Lord, that you would bestow that resurrection power on us, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that we might be witnesses thereof in our own lives, that you would give us the grace to celebrate all that you have done and all that you will yet do, that you might draw us close to yourself, that we might be greater disciples of his. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. If you'd like to find out more about our church or view a video of the full service, visit our website at westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.